Well, good morning, Cross Point Church. It's good to see you here this morning. I hope you came here this morning ready to worship Jesus Christ. Amen. I told uh, I told Spence this morning right after the practice. I said, if worship is as, is only half as good as practice was this morning, it's going to be a great day. Don't you? Don't, don't, let's just show our appreciation for the worship team and and all that they put into uh, just preparing our hearts. Preparing our hearts. I'm so thankful that that God has gifted them in such incredible ways to be able to come in here and lead us in a time of worship and praise and adoration. But um, anyway, I hope you've had a good week this week. I hope that you've uh, just had a, a great time between last Sunday and today. Uh, I know yesterday was a beautiful day. How many of you got out into the, and, and experienced the weather yesterday? Wasn't it a, a beautiful day? And uh, I, I just, as I was just uh, enjoying the day yesterday, I couldn't be re- more reminded of just how beautiful our Savior is and just so thankful for a great day yesterday. If you're visiting with us this morning, we're thankful that you're here. We're thankful that you uh, chose to be with us this morning, our faith family. We recognize that you could have been a hundred different places this morning, but you chose to be here. And for that, we're grateful, we're thankful, we're glad that you're here and, and glad that you chose to join us. This morning, we're going to be kicking off a new series, and I'm very excited about this series. This series is going to take us all the way through Easter Sunday, the day we celebrate the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ, and uh, we've been singing about that already this morning, just so thankful for the resurrection. You know, without the resurrection of Jesus, we really don't have anything, because uh, Jesus conquered sin, he conquered death, not just when he went to the cross, but when he was raised from the grave, having that victory over sin and death. And so we're going to be walking through the next five weeks just exploring Uh, a a lot of things that led up to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In this series, we're going to be really talking about the Passion Week of the the Christ. In fact, we're going to start today with what is traditionally known as Palm Sunday. This is not Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is the Sunday before Easter, but we are going to be looking at what we commonly know as Palm Sunday today. And that is, the, we begin with the, the, the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. We're going to be looking at, in this series, the week leading up to uh, Jesus' death and burial. And we're going to begin to understand that a lot of things begin to happen during that week. A lot of things begin to unfold, just sort of setting the stage for Jesus' crucifixion, setting the stage for what would ultimately be his victory as he rose from the grave. And so we're going to be looking at that one week, and I think you'll find it interesting that all four gospel writers wrote about uh, the Passion Week. All of them had a lot to say about that. A lot of the the stories that we read in the gospel, um, those guys shared a lot of the same stories, but the uh, the Passion Week is one of those weeks that they talked a lot about. And... um, you know what, one of the things that really is amazing about the Passion Week is what started as a time of celebration, uh, celebrating the Messiah riding in, we're going to talk about that today, riding into Jerusalem, quickly turned to a time of violence. It turned to a time of mocking. It turned to a time of, of rejection as people begin to look at Jesus. I mean, he rode in and they were celebrating the, the, the coming of the Messiah, they were 
They were sure that he was the king of kings, the Lord of lords, but real quickly all that began to change. And ultimately he ended up going to the cross and he was killed on the cross. He was crucified on the cross and, uh, and he died on the cross and he was buried. But what we know is that even though Jesus was buried, Sunday was coming. Amen? And so that's what we're going to be celebrating as we walk through this series together over the last five weeks. Uh, I, just, I just pray that as we look into God's Word, as we study the, the Word together, that we would be reminded that all of these things that we talk about throughout this series was always sort of a prelude to the truth that Sunday was coming. And so I'm very excited about this series. Go ahead, if you will, and turn to Mark chapter 11. And uh, while you do that, I just want to open us up uh, with a word of prayer. I guess you probably shouldn't be turning the pages while I'm, I'm praying, but uh, let me pray and then you open up God's word. How about that? So pray with me, if you will. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this amazing opportunity that we've already had this morning to just come to you with our hearts open, with our minds focused on who you are, and Lord, to just offer our praise and our worship and our adoration to you. Because, Father, you are so worthy of everything that we could offer. God, we're thankful for your presence in our life. We're thankful for the, the amazing things that you continue to do in our life. And, and Father, we thank you for the reality that we have an, an amazing opportunity to come and gather in this place each and every week to celebrate you, to worship you, to, to read about you, to preach about you, to even give as an act of worship to you. And so, Father, thank you for the privilege. God, we love you, and we thank you that years ago, Thousands of years ago, God, you, you loved us so much that you sent your son to this earth. And Father, we read the stories found in the gospel and we begin to realize, God, that God, you were doing an amazing work when you did that. When you, when you sent your son, Jesus, to this earth, who would walk on this earth and live out his life sinless, that he would be able and capable to go to the cross for our behalf. God, only to die on the cross, but to be buried in a tomb, and then to give us the privilege of celebrating the resurrection. Father, we thank you so much for everything. God, you are so worthy of, of everything that we could offer. God, this morning as we prepare to dive into your word, I pray, God, that you would speak deeply into our hearts, that you would stir our very souls, that, God, we would be, uh, God, just led to a place of desiring you more, of wanting to know you more, of worshiping you more with our lives. And God, that we would be changed forever by your presence. God, we thank you for this time together. We love you and praise you and worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 11. That's where we're gonna be uh, going to this morning as we kick this series off. Um, what an amazing passage of scripture that we're going to be looking at here. And as I've already said, we're, we're looking today at what is commonly known as Palm Sunday. Again, today is not Palm Sunday. That's a few weeks away from here. But we're looking at this story. We're taking this one week, this one week where Jesus rode into Jerusalem 
And the week of, of all the things that happened there leading up to his death that would take place on a Friday and then, and then uh, finishing up the series on Easter Sunday looking at the resurrection of Jesus. And I want to just offer to you a little bit of background this morning. The story begins with Jesus and his disciples at a place known as the Mount of Olives, the Mount of Olives. And, and the Mount of Olives is a place that overlooks Jerusalem. It's a, it's a mountain that rises about 2,600 feet above sea level, and it overlooks this, the city of Jerusalem. It's there on the east side. I've been there, and it's a beautiful place. It's a, it's a place where as you, as you stand in this area, and you could just imagine Jesus looking into Jerusalem there, knowing what's to come. And so the disciples have gathered there, and, and the reality is that Jesus often gathered at this place. It obviously was a very special place for him. The scriptures tell us that many times Jesus visited the Mount of Olives. And in fact, during this week, this Passion Week or this Holy Week, if you will, Jesus would go to the Mount of Olives three times just this one week. And so this was a place, it was a starting place for him. It was a place of prayer for him. It was a place where he often gathered with his disciples and, and, and what we see next, what we begin to, as we begin to read through this story, is we begin to see what has come to be known as the triumphal entry of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we, we begin to read this story and we see that there was great celebration for Jesus as he rode in. There was a great time of, of celebrating the arrival, if you will, of the King of Israel. And so uh, all this is unfolding as Jesus and his disciples prepare to go into the city. And so they're, they're sitting here on this mountain and they're, they're getting ready to go. And this is where our story picks up this morning. So read this with me, if you will, uh, as we study this triumphal entry of Jesus found in Mark chapter 11, starting with verse 1. And so the Word of God says this. It says, now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and to Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever ridden or ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this, say, the Lord has need of it, and it will be sent uh, and we'll send it back here immediately. And they went away, and they found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told him what Jesus had said, and they, said, and they let them go. In verse 7, it says, and they brought the colt to Jesus, and they threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that, had, that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest. And so here we see the story where Jesus is moving uh, into Jerusalem. He is, he is making his way as the Messiah, as the King of Israel. He's coming into Jerusalem. And one of the things that I 
uh, began to realize as I looked at this was that, you know, the people really just didn't have a clue. They, they thought they knew what was happening. They, they, they thought they understand the reality of what was taking place. But what we begin to realize is that they didn't really understand the whole story. They didn't really come to realize that there was more to the story than what they were thinking. Hey, let me ask you this question here this morning. How many of you have ever, and you don't have to raise your hand, but just think about this. How many of you ever had a, a time in your life where you thought you understood everything there was to understand, you thought you had a good handle on the story, but there was more to the story than what you were realizing? I, I really believe that's where they were, and, and that's where they were thinking. And, and as I look at this, I, I begin to realize how many times I think that has happened to me where I just thought I knew everything that there was to know about a situation, and then as the situation unfolded, I began to realize I, knew, I found out later that there was more to the story than what I had always known. I remember when our youngest daughter, Marley, graduated from high school, and we, we were trying to figure out what we were going to do to celebrate this great achievement that she had graduated high school, and we decided we would take a family trip to New York City. And one of the things that Marley wanted to do in celebration of her graduation was she wanted to go to a Broadway play. And so as we started thinking about that, I got online, I began to search the Broadway plays and kind of see what that was all about. And I was quite stunned at how much it cost to go to a, a, a Broadway play. And in fact, some of the ones they were naming, I'm like, nope, it's not going to happen. Uh, we got to come up with a different one. And I gave them a list of of Broadway plays that I felt like were within our budget. And so as we were looking at that, they finally decided that they wanted to go see Mary Poppins. And so I looked at that, and I, we'd read the reviews, and it seemed like there were a lot of good reviews. And, and uh, I don't know about you, I, I'm not really into things like that. Musicals just don't float my boat. You know, I just, I didn't think that that a Broadway play was going to be anything that I would enjoy. And so I said, why don't I just buy three tickets, and you guys can go, and I'll find something else to do. And they said real quickly, no, Dad, this is a family adventure. You need to go with us. You need to be a part of this. And I said, well, who is Mary Poppins, you know? I, I don't even really, I mean, I've heard, I know she's a lady with an umbrella that flies through the air, right? But, but I really didn't know much more than that. So we go, and so the day came, and I was still trying to talk them out of me having to go. I was like, I can scout my ticket probably for this show. And they were like, no, you're going. I mean, this is going to be good. This is a family adventure. We're doing this together. And so we went in, we got our seats, and the, the lights go down, and the, I mean, you know, the, the show lights come on, and the, the, the curtains come up. And, and I found myself just blown away by the production of, of a live Broadway play. I just, I was like, this is interesting. And it started out something like this. I wonder if we could do any of that at our church. You know, I mean, she came flying in on an umbrella. Maybe I could have a zip line that sort of came down to the, you know, I was just really imagining. But as I looked at the story, and I, I just got kind of sucked into that thing. And I, I began to hear more about what Mary Poppins was all about. And, and it was a story of a, of a daddy who was really not that great of a daddy. And I, I mean, conviction started to sit in, you know. I mean, he wasn't. And, and, and so he had some issues raising his children. So he hired this nanny, and her name was Mary Poppins. And she came in on an umbrella. And, you know, and, and, and so all this began 
begin to unfold. Well, fast forwarding to the, to the end of the, to the, end of the, the show there, as, as the show ended, there was this huge celebration and everything was taking place. And, and, and all of a sudden, the show was over and the lights come on and I am bawling like a baby. <laughs> I am bawling like a baby, and I look over at my daughters, and, and they're texting their friends back home. They had, I, the show had lost them a long time ago, and I look over at my wife, Linnell, the one who was really saying, no, you got to do this along with them, and she's sleeping. <laughs> she told me this morning, make sure you get my part right. I said, your part was easy. You were snoring at Mary Poppins, but there I was bawling like a baby. I mean, tears. The girls looked over, and they're just like, Mom, wake up. Daddy's crying. And then Linnell, she was like, you know, hon, you got to walk out by yourself. You're embarrassing the girls. And, 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 and the girls are like, why are you crying? And I'm like, this is beautiful. This is, a, this is, I was more to this than a flying nanny, right? It was, there was so much more to the story than what I had always known. I look at this passage of Scripture, and what I begin to realize is that people, they thought one thing, but they really had no idea what Jesus was doing as he rode into this city on a donkey. You see, the story starts out, and the people, the people of Israel, they're celebrating the coming of a Messiah. They're celebrating the coming of a Messiah, but in less than a week, they're going to be shouting, crucify him. The same people who thought it was so wonderful would soon be shouting, put him to death. And so this morning, I want us to look at this passage because I believe that there is so much that we can learn from this story as we look at this together. We can learn and understand what it is that the Word of God is teaching us about this this amazing time of history, this amazing true story that we get a chance to read and, and, and I believe that there is so much that we can glean as we read through this and look at this together. So this morning, I want us to take a look at our text here together, and let's look at what's happening here. You know, one of the first things we begin to see, I mean, that's what really the story is all about, is the arrival of a king. The arrival, let me just say this, the arrival of the king. And so we begin to see this playing out. And one of the things that is interesting is, For hundreds of years, the people of Israel had been expecting this. This wasn't something new to them. This is something they had been expecting. This is something that they knew was going to take place. This is what the promise of God had been for them, that there would be one day where a king would come in and who would rescue them. And, and we begin to see and we begin to remember the, 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 that, that Israel had been under so much during these years of silence since they had, had heard that there would be a king who would come and deliver them. There had been times, hundreds of years in fact, where there was great suffering. And in fact, at this time, Israel was still under the occupation of of Rome. Romans were, were occupying the land and, 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 and they wanted nothing more than to have their, their nation reestablished. And so they were looking with great anticipation this king that would come and they suddenly realized that this, this king was here. They knew that he would come because the prophet Zechariah had spoke of this some four or five hundred years earlier. We read in Zechariah 9 verse 9 these words. 
Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt. And so you see Jesus riding in to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, coming into the city, was the fulfillment of a prophecy that had been spoken so many years ago. And as the people saw this, knowing already what he'd accomplished, remember, Jesus has walked through the land for years, and he had done and performed many miracles, and there was so much power and authority that came with Jesus. And so now as they see Jesus, who had proclaimed that he was the Son of God, that he was the Son of Man, now riding in on a donkey, they begin to see this as the fulfillment of the prophecy that had been given to them, and they begin to celebrate the coming of a king. They begin to celebrate the arrival of this amazing king. So we can only imagine how excited they were. Remember, they are wanting to be delivered. They are wanting to have their nation reestablished. And here Jesus is riding in on the occult, a small, young, unridden donkey, just as Zechariah had prophesied. John 12, verses 12 and 13 says this. It says, the next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast, they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and they went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And so make no mistake, the people knew exactly who they were cheering for. The people recognized him as the king of Israel. The people were celebrating the arrival of their king and they could not be more happy about what had just taken place. I love how John says, even the king of Israel. And so the people were just overjoyed. The people were ecstatic. But there was more to the story than they imagined. We begin to see that as we read through the scriptures, as we read all the stories found in the gospels, as we read through all of this, we begin to understand that they just didn't quite grasp what was happening. And we begin to understand that it was much more than what they had imagined. The prophecy was being filled. It was a time of celebration, as it should be. It was a time where the people should have been celebrating. So they didn't get it wrong. It wasn't like they misunderstood. They were completely on the right track. But what we begin to realize is that they were looking for a king that would rescue them differently than the way Jesus was coming to rescue them. You see, they were, they were hoping for a political rescue. They were hoping for things to change politically. They were hoping that their, their, their political landscape of their nation would, would be given back to them the way they wanted it. They didn't want the Roman occupation. They didn't want enemies coming and interfering in who they were as a nation. And so really politically, they were looking for this king that would come in and reestablish them as a nation, but see, Jesus was coming with a different message. Jesus was coming with a message that says, I want to redeem you, I want to restore you, I want to reestablish you, but I want to do it spiritually. I want to do it spiritually. What, uh, what Jesus was wanting to do had to do more about their hearts than their political landscape. 
And you see, this is man's primary, primary need in his life. We as people need to ensure that spiritually we are where we need to be more so than anything else in our life. I mean, what Jesus was bringing to them was the most valuable thing that could be brought to them. They just didn't see it that way. And so as Jesus is riding in, we begin to, to realize that they, they suddenly weren't seeing, they weren't, they weren't grasping what truly needed to take place in their life. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking about how it's amazing that we just seem to do a lot of the same sorts of things today. We place so much of a reliance on our politicians these days. When things in our country are not going well, we turn to our politicians and we hope that they're going to change everything. We hope that they're going to deliver us from uh, a, a world that just seems to have lost its mind. Rather than turning to God, maybe in a time of prayer, maybe as a nation, turning to God and, and asking God to, to, to do a mighty work in our lives, so often we turn to our politicians. But what we begin to realize, not necessarily in this text, but as we read through the Gospels, as we read through the story of Jesus, we begin to realize that it's not politics that is the hope for our nation. It's not politics. Only Jesus is the hope for our nation. Only Jesus is the hope for racism in our world. Hearts have to be changed, you see, not just laws. And only Jesus is our hope for the violence that we see in our world today. If there's gonna be a change in violence, the violence that we see on the news and we read about almost on a daily basis, then hearts need to be changed, not just laws. And so we begin to realize as we study who Jesus is, as we look at our world today, we begin to see that it's not the politicians that are truly the answer to everything, but rather it's Jesus that needs to come into our great nation. He needs to come into the hearts of its individuals and save this world to change our culture. It is Jesus who is the hope for peace in the world. It is Jesus who is the hope for poverty. It is Jesus who is the hope for hunger. There is Jesus who is our hope for us all culturally. Jesus is our hope. And we need to see it that way. We need to understand it that way. You see, the people as they stood there and they celebrated Jesus, his arrival, as they were celebrating this truth that the king had come, they were looking for him to establish something much differently. Jesus said, I have come to change hearts and minds. I have come to give people life that will last forever. And so Jesus had a totally different agenda as he rode in. The king had certainly arrived. He was here, and everything they needed was riding on a donkey. Everything they needed was riding on a donkey. And so we see here first this arrival of the king, but we also see, as we look into this text, the humility toward the king. I think this is very interesting. It's, it's worth pointing out here this morning that we understand something. I want to I want to show you this this morning because I do find it interesting, and I and and, and I celebrate that the fact that at least people fulfilled prophecy as they 
carried out this act of celebration as they shouted from the top of their voices, Hosanna in the highest. Uh, at least they're carrying out the prophecy that needed to be carried out or be fulfilled as Jesus rode into Jerusalem. But look at verse seven with me here. Let's look at verse seven and eight and, and even nine. We'll read these again together this morning. It says in the word of God that they brought the colt to Jesus and they threw their cloaks on it. And so there's something significant about this. You see, what we begin to see is that that when they arrived, they took their cloaks, their, their outer garment, if you will, their coat, we may know as today, or their sweater, whatever you want to call it. But they took their cloaks and they began to throw them on this donkey whom Jesus would ride into Jerusalem. And then we continue to read, and it says he sat on them, he sat on their garments, and then many more begin to spread their cloaks along the road. And so we have this image, and I want you to grab hold of this image, if you will, but there are literally thousands of people that are on the scene, and they're taking their outer garments off, and they're laying them on the road only for Jesus on his donkey to ride over these cloaks. And so there's something really significant beginning to happen. The scriptures tell us that they not only did that, but they went and they cut palm branches and they were laying them on the ground. And so all this was in an act of humility toward Jesus. And so we look at this and we begin to realize that, that they understood that the Messiah was coming. They were convinced that Jesus was their deliverer. And that is something that we need to hold on to. We need to, to understand and respond to. But the, so, so the people of Israel, they were responding appropriately. They were responding in a way that they should. But what we begin to realize is that as we look at this, like in verse 8, where they spread their cloaks on the road, that they were acting in a spirit of humility. In other words, they were giving Jesus the royal treatment. They were giving him the royal treatment. There's no doubt in my mind that when they saw him riding in on this donkey, knowing the prophecy that had been spoken, they saw him as the king. Not just the king, but the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And they were acting in a spirit of humility. You see, it was an ancient custom in their day for people to show submission to a king by laying their garments on the ground and saying, you can walk over me. It was, a, it was an act of submission. It was saying, you as a king are higher than I am. I'm just a lowly person. And so it was a true act of, of humility as they, as they laid their cloaks down. And as Jesus comes into town, they're celebrating Jesus as the king. And so they're recognizing him for who he is. And they, they left branches as described by John in, in John 12, 12. We just read that. They took, they took branches of palm trees. And so that's why today, uh, on, on the Sunday before Easter, we call it Palm Sunday because we're celebrating this reality that people are, were laying palm branches on the ground in front of Jesus recognizing Jesus as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so we begin to see this. We begin to understand that this is all playing out the way it's supposed to be. You see, their hope for Jesus was high. Their hope for him was high. They, 
their their, everything they were expecting, their expectations of Jesus was very high. But you see, they had their own sort of ideas. They wanted Jesus to ride in like thunder. I mean, if we were looking at this today, it would be kind of like this. We want you, Jesus, to come sweeping through in an A-10, okay? We want you to take out the enemy. We want you to fly in, and we want you to take out these Romans, these Roman soldiers. We want you to send these Romans all the way back to Rome. We want them out of here. We want you to come in, and we want you to establish your kingdom. They were looking for a very earthly king. They were looking for a warrior king. They were looking for a guy who could put an end to all of this. And so in this act of humility, as they lay their cloaks down, Jesus, in his own act of humility, doesn't come flying in in an A-10 or an F-16. He rides in on a small donkey. A small donkey. He comes in. He makes his way into Jerusalem. They were super excited for their king. But what we begin to realize is that during this week, they would soon see Jesus as their greatest letdown. Their greatest letdown. You see, there was more to the story than what they originally thought. They just couldn't see it. They just didn't understand it. They didn't know really what was truly going on here. And so this morning, as we get ready to sort of wrap this message up, I want to I want to ask you a few questions here because, you know, I look at this and one of the questions I found myself, and I'm, I imagine maybe you could ask yourself here this morning is, what are you looking for in Jesus? You see, the reality is Jesus has come into every one of our lives. And maybe you're here today and you say, you know, I haven't really come to that place in my life where I have, I have accepted Jesus as this Lord and Savior and that may be true, but you're here today. We're all here today. And at some point or another, Jesus is a part of our reality this morning. And so Jesus is riding into our life. And I believe one of the greatest questions that we could ask ourselves this morning is, who are we looking for in Jesus? In the same way that the people of Israel were looking for something, I, I pray that what we're looking for in Jesus is exactly who Jesus himself truly is. And so this morning, as we sort of wrap this thing up, I want to ask you three questions here this morning, the questions that I found myself asking as I was processing this message. The first one is this. Did you know that Jesus is ready to receive any who would come to him in faith? Jesus is ready to receive anyone in this room who is willing to come to him in faith. I want to show you a verse here found in Romans chapter 10. It says this, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. How many of you believe that this morning, that truth about Jesus, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You see, Jesus wants us to come to him in faith. And one of the reasons that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ 
is because it says here that we have to believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. Salvation doesn't come by belief in a dead man. Salvation comes by way of a living God, amen? Comes by way of a living God. And so here we see this truth that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And so the truth is this, that if we come to Jesus in a spirit of faith, we shall be saved. I love what John 1, 2 says. It says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children. I love that. And so this morning, one of the greatest questions we could ask ourselves, I believe, is do we know that Jesus is ready to receive us in faith? Here's another question for us. Do you know that Jesus is ready to restore, restore and strengthen you? Do you know that Jesus is ready? Today, when Jesus rode into your life, what was it that you were expecting? What is it that you believe about him? What is it that you know about him? I hope you know this truth, that Jesus is ready to restore your life. There are so many people in this world who are living their life believing that there is no hope for them. There are so many people in this world today believing that they have messed up so badly in their life that there is no hope for them. But what the gospel message of Jesus teaches us is this truth, that Jesus is always ready to restore, and that Jesus is always ready to strengthen who we are as children of God. You see, suffering and trials are definitely a part of our life. We go through many things. Sin is an awful reality of our life. We fight it every day. We have to push off the temptation of sin. But the King of kings, the Lord of lords, is faithful to forgive if we would just turn to him, no matter what we've been through, not, no matter what we face, no matter how hopeless we feel, he is faithful always. I love what 1 Peter 5.10 says. It says this, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself, look at this, restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. You see, one of the things that we need to understand here clearly today is that Jesus is neither Democrat nor Republican, but what he is is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. How many of you believe that with me this morning? Amen? That's who Jesus is. That's who Jesus is. And I hope that this morning that's who we understand Jesus to be. The last question I want to ask you here this morning is this. Did you know that Jesus is ready to reward those who are faithful. He is ready to reward those who are faithful. I love what Hebrews eleven six says. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. I love this. You know, one of the things I realize is that we don't live for Jesus for the reward. But when we live for Jesus, there's great reward. Amen? We don't live for him for the reward, but when we live for him faithfully, there is great reward. And there are so many Christians all over this world today who live their life, live their life 
with nothing more than maybe the salvation that Jesus offers. But the reality is Jesus promises us an abundant life, not only in heaven, but here on this earth. There is great reward in knowing Jesus, in celebrating Jesus, in living for Jesus, in living with Jesus. We were teasing this morning, we were teasing Janetta, who I know is already back here, and she probably doesn't have a clue what I'm about to say, but somebody said, when he says Jesus seven times, go out there on the stage, and I think just then in that one sentence, I said it seven times. So I'm glad you didn't, you didn't come on out. There you go. There you go. I'm excited about this series because I believe that there is so much to learn from as we begin to look at the final weeks, the final week of Jesus as he walked this earth fully man, yet fully God. I'm so excited because I believe there is power in the word of God. I believe that there is power in what God wants to do in your life and in mine. A few weeks ago, my daughter told me that she asked my little granddaughter, she said, Caroline, what'd y'all learn in children's ministry today? And Caroline, who is three, she said, we learned that there is power in the word. I love that. I love the track that she's on right now. Not only as her granddaddy, but as her pastor. I am so thankful that she's on the right path. And let me just say this, is that one of the great things that we can celebrate while we gather in here this morning is that our children are being taught the importance of Jesus as well. Amen? Amen. They may not be in this room, but they are learning the same truths that we learn. I believe that God wants to do something truly amazing throughout this series. And I pray, I pray over the next four weeks as we continue to make our way toward Easter that you too would be praying and seeking God, even fasting. We're gonna do like we did last year where we challenge you to fast before uh, Good Friday. And, 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 and I'll tell you, this is something I'm really looking forward to. And so I pray that this, this series would be a time for all of us of, of spiritual renewal, of spiritual awakening, of spiritual revival. Where the children of God find nothing more important than to chase after Jesus Christ. Because he is so worthy. He is so worthy. In just a moment, I'm going to pray, and then maybe God has prompted you to, to respond in a unique way other than maybe standing and singing that last song. There's nothing wrong with that response at all. But maybe God is challenging you to maybe come to this altar and just spend some time thanking God for what he's done in your life, to come to this altar and thank God for the testimony that he has given you through redemption, through life change. Or maybe you want to come and talk to one of our pastors, or maybe you want to just turn to your friend and spend some time in prayer. You do whatever God's calling you to do this morning as we think about the powerful resurrection of Jesus Christ and how worthy it is to celebrate. Knowing that Jesus, 
came into this world to change us spiritually before he did anything else.